What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, and we have NFL football tomorrow night. I can't believe those words are actually coming out of my mouth. I didn't know that this season was actually going to happen, but lo and behold, we have the Houston Texans going up against the Kansas City Chiefs tomorrow night, your reigning Super Bowl champions. So this week, I got a little excited and had to bring on an NFL legend of the game. So I'm super excited about this week's episode. I'm super excited about the NFL season. Everyone's saying Kansas City Chiefs are going to repeat, but I know my Eagles are going to whip up something crazy and get back to the promised land, but who knows? I'm just excited that football is back. So let's get into this week's episode. So with football starting this week, I couldn't think of a better guest to kick off the NFL season than my buddy, Mike Carney. And Mike is a former all-pro NFL fullback who played seven years in the league, two-time NFL pro bowler, who was just a beast at the fullback position. You know, For those of you who don't know, fullbacks are really kind of a overlooked position nowadays. You don't see a lot of teams utilizing them. But back in the day, back, back when Mike was playing, he was a force to be reckoned with. And he shares some really, really exciting and really fun stories about being in the NFL. I think the most interesting is the fact that he was on the New Orleans Saints during a very, very trying time and a very um, hard time for the city of New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. So he tells us a little bit about what that whole process was like. And then obviously being on that team and, and that team was rebuilding uh, not only themselves, but also rebuilding the community. So a really special interview with my buddy, Mike Carney, and I'm super excited that he was able to come on and super excited to kick off the NFL season with Mike. So without further ado, here is Mike Carney. All right. Well, my next guest, I had to uh, do a couple more push-ups, a couple more bench presses before I came onto the Zoom because I had to look good for this guy because he can barely fit into his own screen. But we got Mike Carney. He's a former All-Pro NFL fullback who played seven years in the NFL. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, and he joins us today. Mike, thank you so much for coming on. How's it going? It's going good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are the boys doing? Are they, if they drove, have they drove you crazy yet? They're yeah, oh yeah, they're driving me crazy. I mean, I mean, I don't <laughs> know. I think, I mean, at this point, they're they're you know they're nine and six, and yeah, what do you do at nine and six? You're going through a global pandemic that that none of us have been through before, not even our own parents. Right. Um, you know, I don't even think my grandparents were alive for the, for the last one. Right. <laughs> Maybe they were just born. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're, you know, we're all just kind of treading and treading lightly and trying to take things too seriously and trying to make the most of it as best mm-hmm. you can. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just, this is just something that no one ever could have thought that we'd be going through and the, and the way we're going through it yeah. uh, with no sports, no activities, there's no camps, there's no summer camps, there's, nothing for the kids to do um and you're trying to keep them off of xbox and Fortnite as much as you can because you don't want them to <laughs> become addicted to that um, yeah so getting them out getting them outside they're healthy they're, they're happy but you know there's there's days where you know it, it's 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 tough to be a kid because you, you you just don't you know you can't go out and do some of the things that kids do normally during the summertime yeah, are you taking them out for your runs with you, or uh, <laughs> to tire I try. Them out? We try. Yeah. We try. We get them on the on the bikes. Just kids. Kids today aren't kids that were born in the '80s, man. I mean, no. <laughs> when I, I I remember growing up in Seattle with you know my mom, I'd be like, "Hey, 10 a.m. I'm I'm gone, mom. See you later." When the and lights come on, like, that's hey, when you just come home. yeah, 
Yeah. And in Seattle this time of year, it doesn't get dark till 10 p.m., 10.30, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't be coming home till 9.30, 10, mm-hmm. um, ride my bike all around, playing in the streets and, you know, playing uh, two-hand touch football and basketball and riding bikes. And as long as I wasn't going somewhere outside the neighborhood, my mom knew I was just going to be out running around. It's just kids today, it's like they want to be inside. They they go out, they go outside and play. Right now it's, it's a little hot. Like they're out there for about 10 minutes. And they're like, hey, can we come back in? It's like, no, get your butt outside. Man. <laughs> keep, keep playing outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I bike? remember. Be a kid, right? I yeah. Mean, it's just like play hide and seek outside. Do, Do something. Get some balloons. Like, I mean. They have like, you know, I forget the name of them, those uh, bunch of balloons. You can just, okay. you know, attach to the faucet and they make it, it blows up like 30 balloons. Remember that? I mean, when I was back in the day, you had, we had to put one each at one a on time. Individually one at a time. time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I would have had a bunch of balloons back when I was growing up, holy moly, I would have been having balloon fights all day long. You yeah. Know? But uh, they do it and then they're like, okay, we're done. What's next? I'm like, really? <laughs> So, but they're attention good span, man. Attention span. Yeah. It, it's like that. It's gone. So, so Mike, I mean, you've had, you yes, had an, an incredible NFL career and we'll certainly get into that, but I want to start where it all began. And I read yeah. on a field at East Hill elementary school in Kent, Washington. <laughs> Can yeah. you take me through what happened that day on that field? Okay. So yeah, East Hill elementary. So I grew up in, I was born in San Jose, California. My, my, my mom and dad are born and raised there. I was born there, but I was not raised there. Uh, my mom wanted me to uh, wanted to have me with the same doctor that my older sisters were uh, were delivered by, um, and so my mom flew down. Um, I think in the last you know month of her pregnancy, and um, had me had me with her doctor in San Jose, and then obviously you have to wait three weeks to to fly with an infant. So she yeah. waited three weeks, uh, lived with her her parents. My dad, my, my parents had already moved to Seattle. My dad um, took a uh, a roofing business that was in the Bay area and they were expanding and they wanted to expand in the state of Washington. So my dad opened the first yard in Washington. So they moved up in 78 or 79. Um, mm-hmm. And then when my mom became pregnant with me, she wanted to make sure she had the same doctor. So she flew down they had, she had me. And then three weeks later I was back in Washington. So I was raised in Kent and um, went to East elementary. And at that time we had a youth football program called Kent Knights and um, they were having, I was seven years old and I really, really wanted to play tackle football. I, I had uh, just at a young age, had a huge uh, attraction to the game and, and watching college football on Saturdays. And mm-hmm. um, I remember going to Kmart one day and buying at the first like football jersey that my mom bought me was a Michigan jersey. So I became a <laughs> Michigan fan at five years old, and, yeah. you know, watching Keith Jackson and, 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 and um, on ABC and watching Michigan, the big house and Bo Schimbeckler. Um, those are some of my early childhood memories, but so football became like a, a, a thing that I really, uh, was intrigued with at a young age. And so, uh, at, at my school, we had this huge, like overpass that you'd walk, that you'd take to go over the, the main street to, to walk across. And then you would take that street to like, there's a bunch of homes down that street, apartments and stuff. And so on that big overpass, the Kent Knights youth football would put their huge banner for signups. And I remember just being like, man, I really want to, I really want to play tackle football. And we're, you know, growing up in the eighties, there's, you know, flag football was, was, right. was known, but it wasn't like the thing as it is now. Right. Yeah. Um, it was all about playing pop Warner and playing youth football, playing tackle football. So I remember, I mean, for months leading up in the spring, I, I knew that they had signups and it was coming and then the summer approached school ended 
um, they did early signups and I was like, mom, please. And she, my mom, my mom would not sign me up. She's like, you're not playing. You know, she just, just did not want to see her son, I guess, play any sport that was physical. I don't know. Right. Um, but she knew I was a very active kid, loved sports and, and had a really, you know, you know, a real passion for it. And so my sis, my oldest sister is 10 years older than me. So I was seven, she was 17 at the time. And yeah. so I, she was like my second mom growing up when I would get in trouble or something happened, um, which I didn't get in trouble very much, but when mom and dad said, no, I'd go cry to her. Right. And so, <laughs> um, my mom, you know, just was, was, was just not going to budge on signing me up. And so I went off and cried to my older sister and she ended up acting as my older, as my mom. And, oh. and she, and she signed me up and my mom didn't find out till like a couple days later. My mom was livid, absolutely yeah. livid. I was like, she signed me up. And so I, I was a seven, I was the first seven year old, I think even to this day and Kent Knights <laughs> has been around since the early eighties, the first seven year old on an eight and nine year old, uh, uh, level pop winner team. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I was a big Husky kid. Um, right. so I weighed, I weighed as much as eight, nine year olds to where I was able to play. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's where that's where it all started, where I went to elementary school. <laughs> now, I also read that you did an Oklahoma drill with a nine-year-old. Yes. And I did. Af- yeah. still, after that. I still know his name. I still know his name. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, what, what did, what, so tell me, t- uh, take me through that encounter and, and okay, kind of so what happened after you that. Seen, have you seen the movie Little Giants? It's one of the, oh, I think yes. it's, one of my, it's one of my all-time It's an classes, all-timer. Right? Yes. It's an all-timer. I love, whenever yes. it comes on, like, boys are watching this movie. Yes. I love it. It's a great movie. So that in that movie, there's a kid by the name of Spike that moves into town, right? And Spike is like this, you know, he's got this military high cut, you know, mm-hmm. kind of buff kid. Very, you yeah. really, you can tell he's a really advanced kid, right? Swear to God, the kid I went against in Oklahoma Drill was Spike. His name was <laughs> Phil Eckhart. He was the Spike of our of of my youth football program, mm-hmm. and he had the white neck roll, and he had been he was a nine year old. So he had He's two full years. Nine years old. Yeah, he had like the old school, you know, the white, yeah. one, right? The, I mean, yeah, just, you, like the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the fridge, right? He had like the the whole. He had the cutoff jersey. He had abs. I mean, this, he was a very advanced <laughs> nine year old kid. You're like, show me the birthday. And it was like, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember my dad was helping out. He wasn't really a coach, but he was kind of like a volunteer help out. And right. So he was, you know, uh, first day in pads. We we do Oklahoma drill and um, they I'm the one with the with the ball and Phil Eckhart was the one without the ball so he was a tackler and it's the old old school one where you put you lay back on your you you lay on your back so you put your heads together you blow the whistle and pop up and go right and <laughs> whistle was blown and I took my lolly time to get up on my two feet and by the time I got <laughs> my two feet he had run right through me. I mean, just completely depleted me, um, gave me my first stinger. So I'm laying on my back crying and, and uh, can't breathe and my shoulders on fire. And, and my dad, who, my dad, who was not a really, you know, you know, he was, my dad's a great dad. He wasn't a dad that pushed me or was a tough, tough guy type dad. He just looked, kind of got over me and said, hey, what's, what's wrong? I said, my shoulder, my shoulder hurts. It's on, he goes, well, what's it feel like? I said, it's on fire. He goes, okay, well, it, it, it'll calm down. He goes, what'd you learn? And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, trying to get the words out, like sucking down tears. I'm like, yeah. so I'm like, I'm like, you know, choking on my, on my sweat. And I'm like, what do you mean? What did I learn? And I'm like, 
like, what, he's like, where'd you learn? I go, I don't know. He goes, do you want to be the hitter or the hitty? And I said, I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, how does it feel to get hit? I said, it doesn't feel good. He goes, well, you might want to start hitting some people if you want to play this game. Cause this is what this game is about. And I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was like the, at seven years old, the like the aha moment for me. Like, thankfully I was able to like, most people in life have their aha moment. And we, I think we all have it somewhat like, yeah. Um, whether you have it young or teenagers or you're older, you know, life, whatever, but y'all, everyone has, I think everyone in life has that moment. Well, I was lucky enough to have that football at that at seven years old where I was able to get run over by something and taught right away that, Hey, if you really want to play this game, this is what it's going to be about. And so I remember that after that day, man, I was hitting everything that moved and, and, uh, you know, I'm so thankful that that actually happened to me because it really taught me that if you're going to play this game, I mean, if you want to be good at it, then this is just, that's the way it's supposed to be played. And so at Kent high school, you were a true style fullback in high school. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. Kentwood, yeah we, we have, we have, yeah. We have four high schools in Kent. So we have Kentwood, Kent Ridge, Kent Meridian and Kent Lake. So okay. I went to Kentwood. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyways. Yeah. So you were, you were a true style fullback in high school. Yeah. Nowadays was, you don't, yeah, you don't see that. I was an eye. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see well, that. You know, anymore. back in the, yeah, back in the, you know, back in the mid to late 90s, there was, there was fullbacks, but they were in a, you know, I don't even remember, a wing T offense. Mm-hmm. And a wing T offense, double wing, the fullback was like the, the centerpiece of the offense, but it was, there was no blocking. He was just a ball carrier. It was, like, it was, it was, a, mis, it was a misdirection offense. Right. And um, I was like, I don't want to be a misdirection fullback. I don't want to be a guy just getting carries and running for long runs. I want to be blocking people. I want to be carrying the ball. I want to be catching it. I want to be do. I want to do a fullbacks do. So I was fortunate to go to Kentwood High School, where at the time the head coach, our legendary head coach Tom Ingles, was an was an old school two back guy, where he he featured a, a true traditional fullback. And um, we ended up moving out of the area where I was going to junior high, so like I, I could end up. My um, parents were renting a house at the time, and we were able to move over to the area where I could go to Kentwood because I wanted to be. I wanted to be, Kentwood at the time was was a power we were like the they were known by the state power high school uh mm-hmm. for a high school team we were public um but we had a lot of guys go through kentwood who'd go d1 and we had a guy that i was a teammate with who uh um who i'm very close with in new orleans ernie conwell he was the first guy from my high school to make it to the national football league uh and i, I was like ernie went there you know ernie moved on so i wanted to go there so we went there and i was able to be that traditional fullback for tom ingles in kentwood and I was able to come in as a sophomore and start. And so, you know, like kind of the old school fo- style football, like you were yeah. talking about, why do you think mm-hmm. um, teams nowadays, you don't see a fullback in like, I mean, Santa Margarita, Just, the high school where yeah. we grew up or where I grew up and where you yeah. live now, they, yeah. they don't have a fullback. I mean, it's all spread offense no. options and stuff like that. Why do you yeah. think that is? Well, it's, you know, I was just mentioned like, in the you know 90s mid 90s late 90s you know early 2000s where the wing t was like the the fad in high school football mm-hmm. well that fad ended up becoming the spread and the pistol yeah. right it's just the, the game evolves right the game uh, people get bored with it and they, they try to find ways to you know to evolve it and make it better and and create more points and opportunities and the spread offense became kind of like that new thing mm-hmm. uh, the pistol you know getting out you know uh, more receivers and more passing create, you know, more big, more big plays, more points and people are happy. Um, and so that kind of put a damper on the game. But thankfully I was able to get a, a, you know, enough years in where, you know, we, we still, I was still to play in, in, in an era where 
the fullback traditional fullback was still needed and still in part of a lot of offenses. And, right. um, you know, I still tell my, I joke my parents, I wish they could have had me about 10 years earlier. I would have probably got another five or 10 years in yeah. <laughs> playing. <laughs> um, because yeah, because I mean, you know, I, my last, my, my, my last year in the national football league was, geez, almost, it's been almost, it's been 10 years this year, 2010 season was my last year. And I remember that last season we drafted in St. Louis, uh, Sam Bradford, number one overall. And I was like, okay, that's, there, there goes my spot. You know, it's <laughs> my, my, my position is going to, it's just, you know, yeah. I could just see as time went along, the position was just kind of slowly being phased out. It wasn't, it wasn't because we weren't doing a good job. It's just because we just became a position that was no longer needed as yeah. much. And yeah. for what, for what offensive coordinators and what head coaches wanted to do on the, on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, we're, we're starting to see a little bit of a comeback. You see the big fullbacks grading oh, yeah. Yeah. where we, you know, we had a fullback, uh, uh, Keith Smith, who's now at the Atlanta Falcons, who, who started this whole, this whole movement where, you know, we've had some guys, you know, we have, we have some guys back in yeah. the position, you know, Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco, Pat Ricard in Baltimore, is that our buddy Johnny Stanton going out to Cleveland? Yeah, Jan, Johnny Stanton is Cleveland who I've worked with. You know, we got guys. Uh, you know, I'm happy to see that it's somewhat back in the offenses. Now, do I think that these guys are fullbacks of, of my era before? No, because, you know, the fullbacks of my era before, it, it's not that I'm saying that we were better. It's just right. we were asked to do a lot more uh, yeah. work uh, in, yeah. in, in, in the run game. It was a lot more isolation blocks, a lot more um, power running football. Nowadays, it's more like – you know, outside zone stuff where you're cutting guys and getting on the edge and knocking, you know, not really knocking guys, knocking in the guys and getting in the guys, you know, you're kind of covering guys up, but it's just, it's really good to see the position back in offenses uh, because sure. it's, um, you know, for a while there, it, 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 it was nowhere to be found. Uh, yeah. And I was starting to get kind of really depressing because, you know, I grew up, grew up watching Tom Rathman and Moose Johnson and mm -hmm. uh, William Henderson, Max Strong up in Seattle. Lorenzo Neal was a huge mentor of mine. A guy played, you know, 17 years at fullback. Tony Richardson, you know, and the list goes on and on of just great guys that came before me that I wanted to emulate. Mike Allstott, you know, guys you all yeah. wanted to emulate, guys I wanted to be like. Um, and I was so fortunate to share the field with them at one point and then pick their brain and learn from them and train with them and, and carry that on and pass it on to other fullbacks. And um, then it just kind of went quiet for a while, but now it's back. And then to be on social media, to be able to connect with some of these fullbacks still that are still, that are still playing like Johnny Stanton and Pat Ricard and to talk to, you know, um, Keith Smith and guys like that. And just kind of, you know, they were, they wanted me, they wanted me to send them my tape and they want to yeah. watch some of the things that how I play, they, you know, they want me to, they want me to evaluate their tape and see what they can do better and, and stuff like that. So, uh, all in all, I'm just I'm just happy that to see it back in, in, in NFL offenses. Yeah. So I read that you were two fifty five by your senior year of high school and benching yeah. like close to four hundred pounds. Yes, I was. Yes. Did you yeah. fit in the desks people at your high school? People people don't believe me uh, when I say no. that. And uh, <laughs> until they see you. <laughs> Not no well, yeah, but no, but people think that I I've I've been pretty much you know, I'm probably I'm probably about 10 to 15 pounds heavier than I played right now in, in post-career life. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel good. But I was 255, 260 my senior year in high school. And, you know, I was benching close to 400 pounds. I was squatting over 500. But, you know, people who know me from high school, um, my, old, my teammates, we have like a Facebook 
chat that we get on yeah. once in a while and just kind of talk trash to each other but <laughs> they'll tell you man I, I was all about it. i was i was not i was not someone out partying i just had a right. different mission i had a different mission mm-hmm. and my thing was i'm gonna be in the gym every day i'm gonna be out running i'm gonna be out pushing cars dragging sleds i mean i was trying to do everything i possibly could to be the the best football player i could be it wasn't necessarily to be the best fullback just to be the best football player i could be i know right. fullback was a position that i that I could really be good at and flourish in. I played linebacker in high school. I was an all-state linebacker. I just didn't, but I didn't have the sideline to sideline speed. I didn't, I don't think my future was going to be as, uh, as long at linebacker. And I knew I could be a fullback and, and really be good at it. And so I just really focused my attention on that, but just really worked on being the best football player I could possibly be. And it, 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 it I was wearing, you know, whatever I could, could find and put my hands on that was going to help me be better. I did it, you know, uh, running with parachutes, weighted, weighted, uh, leg weights. I mean, heavy, heavy jump ropes, running hills, running stadium stairs. I mean, I was doing stuff that a lot of kids in the late nineties were, I don't even think they did probably until they got in college or maybe or beyond that. But yeah, but yeah, so that was, that was my deal, man. It was, you know, I was, it was all business. It was all fun. I'm like, what are you doing? You're going, I'm like, this, this is, I'm I'm having fun. This is, this is what I want to do. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm hundred percent in and I'm, I'm sold. And I'm, uh, I'm going to do whatever I, I, I didn't want to wait to be good. I wanted to be good now. Um, right. and I did everything I could to be, to be the best I could be at the, in high school and, and beyond. Yeah. So, you know, coming out of high school, I, I read that the only school that offered scholarship was Arizona state. And that was a big yeah. mistake. Um, obviously <laughs> people, people uh, passing you great, up. Great for the, it was, it was like, it was a great decision for, it was a great decision for them. Was, yeah. But so um, take me through, yeah, man. take me through the recruiting process of the late nineties because compared to the process of today, you know, like I went through college recruiting as a swimmer. I don't even want to know what like football guys do, but we, like the age of social media and, and coaches yeah. visits and all this stuff, like you didn't even have a cell phone in the late nineties. No. Like, like, no. like how no, different I mean, is that recruiting process? Well, I tell kids today, I've been telling kids since I moved out here. Yeah. If you, if you can't get recruited today in today's society <laughs> with social media and with huddle links, like huddle, yeah. you know, they, you know, and YouTube. When I was, I mean, when I was my, yeah, you have YouTube, but you have huddle links now. You can you can take your game tape and put it right in a link, and you can tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, email it, and that coach, that recruiter is going to have your highlights or have your game tape right now. I grew up in the late '90s where you I had VHS tapes, <laughs> and and we got mail. Microsoft was just off the ground when you the old email. It was email was wasn't even a thing. It was right. hand. It was type up typing letters mm-hmm. or writing letters to schools, and that's what I did. I wrote. I took a my junior year in high school. I took a computers and business class, and I I took that. Everyone's like, "Why are you taking that class?" And I go, "There's a reason why I'm taking this class, and the reason why I'm taking this class is because I need to learn how to write a business letter." Yeah. And they're like, hmm, business letter. What, what, are you, what are you gonna do for? Are you gonna? Are you trying to make your own business? I'm like, no. <laughs> I need to learn how to write a letter to colleges, and so I took the I took that class just for that, and I learned how to write a business letter, and I basically made came. I was able to put together a a a, a main business letter where it was very generic, and and very simple, and and got to the point. But it was something that could change the address and change the name of the recruiter and just sign each one. Mm-hmm. And, I can, and I can get them out fast. 
Right. And so I would, I basically sat down and made that one main letter and then changed. I came up with the top 25 of the, 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 the colleges that ran a fullback the most at that time. Right. Um, you know, I wrote Syracuse, I wrote Nebraska, I wrote Penn state, I wrote Notre Dame, I wrote, um, you name it, whoever, I mean, LSU. I mean, there was more schools in the, in the mid to late nineties that had a fullback that don't where nowadays you have more schools that don't have a fullback versus that do. Right. right. So I had to iron out which team in college ran a fullback the most in the top 25. And one of the best schools was Arizona state because they had just lost in the Rose Bowl to Ohio state a couple years before that. And they had this big fullback there named Jeff Polk. Mm-hmm. and he was a, he was a, a bad dude and so I was like you know what I'm gonna write Arizona State and Arizona State actually ended up being my 25th school on the list that I ranked and so I sat down and just would just I would just get on the internet at the time which was very it was very it was hard to get information on the internet but there, there was stuff to go so I would just go to each college's website and go to their athletic website find out who the recruiting coordinator was he didn't have there was you know now you get on college website NFL, or, uh, uh, excuse me when you get on like uh Oregon's website they have the coaching staff his office number his Twitter account handle yeah, everything. right his Facebook handle where you can just you can instantly Social get in contact number. with those people so yeah right <laughs> where you didn't have you just found out who's there it just had a list and you know there was nothing to click on right and nowadays you click on the coach's link and his name and it goes to a big old bio right mm-hmm. there was none of that so I just find out who the recruiting coordinators and get the address to the athletic office and put that in the in the address of the other letter. So I'd, you know, I'd put attention, uh, John Doe, uh, University of Oregon. Put the address, and then put dear John. And then you would you would see you know this. And at the bottom, I left a place where I had signatures or sincerely, Mike Carney. I I signed each one. Yeah. And then I went down. I went down to my dad's uh, office, and I sat. I spent a whole day uh, into my junior year. I I put I had like 25 copies of my VHS of my best game for my junior year and I had a bunch of article press clippings of me being quoted you know where I was quoted you know talking about the game or whatever right. highlight yeah. of that uh, um, put the letter in there and sat down there all day addressed each each vanilla um, a big big envelope dressed them put stamps on them and mailed them all on the same day and prior to me doing that, I was getting the regular letter. I was getting letters from everywhere. I was getting letters from Colorado, Penn State, but they were they were like the copied letters, right? That they send yeah. out to thousands of kids, right? And I I had a buddy of mine at the, a year older than me at another high school, at the other Kent High School, Kent Marine High School, who ended up being our Gatorade State Player of the Year in '98. Ended up going to Nebraska, and he ended up having like 30 offers, but he still did this you know, business letter thing for him. That's actually who I Same got routine. it from. Yeah. Same routine. And he goes, Mike, and once you get the handwritten letters from coaches, once a coach hand, hand writes you, then he got their attention. Mm-hmm. His name was Robin Miller. And we're still, we're still friends today. And Rob's like, Robin, you're right, man. That's a good point. Cause these copied letters, everyone, every kid's getting them. So it gets, it's giving you, I, I was getting a really uh, this false sense of, of hope. Yeah. Wow. I'm getting letters from Penn state. And you, you know, you start mm-hmm. to kind of sit back and you, you start to feel good about yourself. You're like, oh man, it's working. And you're like, and nope. then it's like, you, and it's like, no, it's not working. So then I started to put these letters yeah. together and envelopes together and mail them all out. Mm. And I got, I got letters back from Bob. I got a, I got a Notre Dame letter. I still have my letter from Notre, from Bob Davey when he was head coach there. The reason why I kept it because 
Notre Dame, you know, they, they put that golden shiny helmet on, oh, yeah. on the envelope, oh, yeah. the letterhead. Um, but I still have, <laughs> I have, I still have every letter upstairs in my shoebox, every letter I ever received in high school. I have a full shoebox wow. full. And the one of the main, one of the ones I got back that was handwritten was from Arizona State. Best thing I ever did because, because to this day, uh, the guy that recruited me, Dan Cazetto, who I'm still close with to this day, he goes, we never would have known who you were, Mike, if you didn't write us. And I think, like, to your point, like, a lot of kids these days get these, like, generic, they're flashy, yeah. you know, like, they got all the yeah. stuff and they got all the cool stuff, but it's like, I mean, it's not an offer. No. And no. Like, these kids are, like, posting these on Instagram and it's, like, top, my top 50. You have a yeah. top 50. You're saying yeah. you got 50 offers and what, are you going to yeah. cut the list every week? Like, like, yeah. and like, to your, like just never, listening to I never, that. I never, I never agreed with that. I still, to this day, I yeah. tell kids if I come across with, Hey man, are, are you going to, are you able to play at all 50 schools? No. You go, yeah, I can't go, well, no, all at once. No, <laughs> it's only one school, man. So yeah. like, forget about who, how many offers you have. I don't care if you have a hundred offers, you know, what's the yeah. one school, you know, like my buddy, like the same guy I was talking about, Robin, he picked Nebraska because at that time, remember Nebraska was the big red. They were the powerhouse of, of, of college Huge, football, yeah. right? He, to this day, he says he, he made the wrong choice. He picked, he went with the, with, with the hype of a school mm-hmm. and he could have gone to Oregon. He could have gone to the uh, uh, university of Washington and started. He yeah. went to Nebraska and ended up never starting. And by his third year was like, I'm, I'm, I'm over. I'm not going to, I don't want to play football anymore because he kept being told uh, things and they kept recruiting more running backs. And he was yeah. like, sixth seventh eighth ninth on the depth chart and so Jeez. he he ended up going with so he ended up going with the school with the hype and uh the, the big school at the time and i ended up going to a school arizona state where there wasn't I, I, that was my only offer but mm-hmm. you know at the time there's good school who had just been in the rose bowl a few years before before that but who who had said hey we we have a we're going to give you a chance to play right away which is what yeah. i wanted to do so yeah so to your point even today with kids I tell them, I don't, I don't care how many offers you have. I hope that you're doing your due diligence and really narrowing down your list based on what that school is, you know, how that school, you know, interests you, you know, obviously. Not who has ed- the dopest ed- uniforms. Ed- yeah. Not the dopest <laughs> uniforms, the best locker room, but are you, you know, if, yeah. what's your goal? Do you want to play as a freshman? Do you want to play? Do you want a red shirt? Okay, fine. What academic programs have do you want? What do you want to major in? What do you want to do when you're done? Like, you need to be narrowing down your list that way. Like, is your goal to go play college football or to say that you're just on the team? Because my goal yeah. was to go play and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then get, you know, obviously get an education, but that, I mean, I wanted to play, you know, I, I went to Arizona right. State to play football, yeah. major college football. School was going to be there, you know, and, but I wanted to play. I could have gone to Boise State uh, and uh, I could have gone like Nebraska and by any means a walk on. I could have went there and said, "Hey, I'm going to go to Nebraska because it's Nebraska," but I probably never right. played it down. And who who knows where I'd be today? Yeah, and so obviously ASU ended up being the perfect fit uh, because yep. they did run a true style fullback at the yep. time that you mentioned. The, you know, the big guy before you. Do you yep. have a, a favorite memory from college ball in your four years there? Yeah, I, I tell you, to you know, I, I look at back at my career at Arizona State, and it was the four best years of my life, man. It really was. It it it. it, it if I didn't have that experience at Arizona State, I wouldn't have been the pro that I was. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now, man. I, I had the greatest experience. Um, I'm so thankful that it, it worked out the way it did. I mean, Coach Cazetto, 
he I, I saw him back this past November. I took my family out to the SC game and yeah. he was there because uh Jake Plummer was being recognized at halftime because he was he was he got inducted to the college football hall of fame this year. And I was able to finally get my have my wife and my kids meet him because it, it was he he to me is there's no Mike Carney fullback nothing if it wasn't for mm-hmm. if it's not for Dan Cazetto. And and he he put <laughs> It was a spring day. I was in Spanish class. Spring of it was like it was like May of '99. I'm in Spanish class, and I was doing I was doing I was okay in school. I was never the best. You know, I worked hard at it. Sure. Um, but it's towards the end of the year, and Tom Ingles, my head coach, knocks on the door, and Elizabeth Zamora was my Spanish teacher, and she goes, "Miss <laughs> Zamora, can I can I grab Mike Carney for for a second? And I was like. Oh, I was like, oh man, it's like end of the year. We're done with spring like, what ball. What I do wrong? <laughs> I'm, I'm starting. I'm going to check this. And he comes, pulls me out in the hallway, and he's like, "Hey, uh, uh, he's like, not in trouble." And I said, "Okay, good. Thank God." And I said, "What's going on, coach?" He's like, "Hey, I got uh, Dan Cazetto here from Arizona State. You want? He's in my office, and uh, he wants to talk. He really wants to see you. He really wants to meet with you one on one. He's not supposed to." <laughs> I said, "Okay." He goes. He goes, but you know what? We're just gonna let we're just gonna let this that slide, and you're gonna you're gonna head on down the hallway here, and you're gonna walk into my office and act like you're walking in to talk to me. Okay. <laughs> and so that's why that's so that was the next step of it is uh, yeah. So I, we met face to face, and and right when I walked in, he was Dan was like, oh my god, like I, you're better than I thought you would look, and per like mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna I mean I'm literally gonna get on the phone with Bruce Schneider at the time he was the head coach at Arizona State. I'm going to get on the phone with him tonight and we're going to offer you. And I, was, I remember, I remember just like, wow. And I never asked him. I'm like, Hey, that's great. I'm, I mean, I've had tears in my eyes. Uh, and I remember looking at him going, but Hey, I, you know, I, I have to ask you a question. You know, like, I mean, it might be, a, this might be a little brass for a, for a, for a high school kid. I said, but uh, am I going to be able to play as a freshman? He looked at me <laughs> and he went, Excuse me. And I said, yeah, am I, gonna, am I going to have the opportunity to play as a freshman? And he goes, I have never in my third, at that time he'd been, I think, coaching for 25, 30 years. He's like, I have never, ever been asked that question in my 30 years of coaching by a kid that we were recruiting. He goes, you want to play? I said, yes, I want to play as a freshman. I'm, like, I'm not coming to re- right here. I'm coming to play. He goes, well, as, as good as you look, I, 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 I know you're going to be in shape. I know you're going to be ready. He goes, absolutely. Ab- of course. He goes, absolutely. You know, he tells you what yeah. I want to hear. But yeah. I did believe him. I did. I really did believe him when he said, "You're going to have every opportunity to play as a as a freshman." So that was like a double whammy. I mean, I, I didn't even go back and get my bag at its classroom. Thank <laughs> God I had my key, my car keys in my pocket. I went straight home, which was like a a stone throw away from my from my high school. Yeah, I drove home, went home, and, and I remember just like going home and like, I mean, I was beside myself. Yeah, so now leading up to the 2004 NFL draft, the NFL fullback was still a very prevalent position. Um, mm-hmm. So, so your but you know you had Thank Mike Alistot, yeah, right. You had Mike Alistot yeah. in Tampa Bay, Tony Richardson yeah. and and Lorenzo Neal. Uh, yeah. So Mel Kiper did have a top five fullback mm-hmm. list going into the draft, and by the looks on your face right now, um, wasn't on the list. Where were you on that list? Yeah, where were you on that list? <laughs> Nowhere to be found. And then, so did that, did that light a fire? Did that light a fire under you? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, did you watch? Did you watch this uh, last dance? By, by oh Chase? hell yeah! Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't the, the ten greatest episodes you ever seen? I mean, that's yes. the best document I ever watched. Yes. But the you know, 
you try to as a as an athlete there's not many comparisons to jordan but the right. one i can say that i had is the chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. i would try to find things to motivate and to to prove myself and that was a huge that was a huge slap in the face when everyone around the country was giving me the due respect as being the number one fullback in the country coming out of my senior year and to have Mel Kuyper. And trust me, I didn't sit on that. Yeah. I did believe I was number I did in my heart and I'm in, in all due respect. Right. Cause there were other, there were other good fullbacks around the country that uh, my senior year, but I did believe I was the best and for not even having his top five, it was a huge slap on my face. And so, yeah, I took, I took it personal. I really did. And when I, yeah. when I was drafted first, first fullback in 2004, I remember just being like, there you go. And that was, that was my, like, that was my last laugh. Right. I had my, right. I, I got the last laugh. Um, because I was like, I was like, who is this? Guy? I mean, then the guys he had on the list, they were, they were good guys, guys that were yeah, sure right? right. yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you, you know how it is. I mean, you, you, you know, and this is no different today. You can, you know, kids today, kids back when I was growing up and even when you're growing up, you 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 know who who else is around, right? Like, oh yeah. Like other quarterbacks know who the other top quarterbacks are. Like I was the same right. way. I'm like, who who the other fullbacks in this draft? You know, you say, oh Thomas Tepe or Lusaka Polite in Pittsburgh. Okay, good guys. The thing is, Pac-10 at the time we got we had no coverage, none, no TV coverage. Right nowadays, there's Pac-12 after dark, right? Where there's national yeah. games, right? So like now Arizona State goes on national games against Oregon where you get this, the East coast gets to watch Pac 12. Right. We were only my, I think I was only on like maybe a half a dozen national games in four years. I would right. say maybe only four. And one of them was against Oregon and Oh, in my, my freshman year, because it was against Oregon because Oregon was number four in the country. It was Joey Harrington who was, yeah. who was the man right at that time. He was the top quarterback going to be coming out that year. But we had no media coverage. We were local. We were like regional, like Fox Sports West, and you yeah. know we didn't get we didn't get any. And I just it was dumbfounded because you know I like all these fullbacks he has on this list were all guys that went to schools that had more had more media coverage. They got more yeah. more love. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was a slap in the face. I, I did t- I did take a personal, but yeah. I didn't I didn't have to stay into him. Even at that time, if, I, if Twitter would have been around, I wouldn't have tweeted him. Or maybe I would have. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but probably not. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, I had, I had the last laugh on that. And uh, I ended up becoming the, the first fullback in that year's draft. So, um, so, you know, you're drafted in the fifth round by the New Orleans Saints. Like, you, you see all this stuff on TV now. And obviously you can see, like, especially with this, this year's draft, everyone's surrounded by – their sure. loved ones and all that, you know, cause you know, no one is at um, wherever the draft was supposed to be, but what, like, what was like, what were the emotions in your head when you get the call? Man, I had, I was in, in my parents' home that they still live in today, right there in Kent. Um, I had probably a hundred people. I had aunts, uncles, cousins. I had yeah. uh, high school teammates. I had coaches, um, you know, obviously my mom and dad, my, my sister's, um, my wife, who, who at the time was my girlfriend, we were kind of off and on at the time, but she made just like, Hey, you might want to come to this in case we do make it, <laughs> you know, yeah. in case you and I end up being, you know, getting, you know, she was there. Um, I, a lot of anxiety, a lot of nervousness because I wasn't, I, I didn't get, a, I got a few calls up pre up to, uh, 
the draft from from teams. I got a few interviews from certain coaches, um, right. like phone calls, like after the after the combine and stuff. I got I remember getting a call from Tom Rathman. I thought that was really cool. And Tom Rathman was the was the running backs coach, uh, I think for the Detroit Lions at that time. And he was like, "Hey, you know, if you don't get if you don't get drafted, it's not it's not a bad deal." the great thing about being undrafted is that you get to pick where you want to go. And I'd love to have you in Detroit. I was like, Hey, no, I'd love, you know, Hey, if it doesn't work out, absolutely. I would love to come play for you, Tom. You know, you're, you're like one of the <laughs> time greats. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to learn from you and be coached by you would be a dream come true. I said, I, you can definitely, you know, we can definitely see what happens, but if it, uh, if it doesn't, if I don't get drafted, I'd love to definitely come to Detroit. But so yeah, there's a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety, and it's like you know, you have a lot of you, 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 a lot of question marks, a lot of right. uh, a lot of doubt, a lot of like, man, did I do enough? Was my career good enough? You know, like you, you know, I I remember thinking like, you know what, the eye in the sky don't lie. I just kept telling myself that the eye in the sky don't lie because my numbers at the combine were not very good. I didn't run fast. I ran a five flat. Um, my bench press was bad. I ended up redoing it that my pro day it got better um i wasn't your i wasn't your guy that was uh that would that would blow you out blow you out of the water with my numbers right, right. i wasn't gonna run a fast 40 i wasn't gonna jump out of the gym i remember one of the questions i got at the combine was hey you only jump 30 inches uh, can you you know what's, what's <laughs> up with that and i'm like i remember telling the scout have you has a fullback ever had to jump to block somebody and he <laughs> went he went ah yeah, that's a good, that's a good answer, you know, so, um, you know, just, I knew, I knew, I just said the eye in the sky don't lie, but I remember just saying the eye in the sky don't lie, the eye in the sky don't lie, my career, it speaks for itself, my, the work I put in, the things I did in my career, it's got to be enough, it's got to be enough, I just didn't know what round, I, I mean, I was hoping third, and then, you know, then the third goes, the fourth, then the fourth, I'm like, I'm hoping fourth, fourth comes by, and go around. then then I'm starting, then I'm, now I'm like, okay, I better start getting Tom Rappin's number up on the phone, because I, mean, I might, <laughs> might even get drafted, well, then I remember, my agent at the time, he knew the running backs coach for, for the Saints. His name was Dave Atkins. And Dave Atkins coached at San Diego State when my agent played there. So there was a history there. And New Orleans drafted Terrell Smith, who was the fullback bef uh, before me at Arizona State. Yeah. And Dave Atkins was the running backs coach for Terrell Smith in New Orleans. Well, Terrell Smith ended up signing – on, uh, as a free agent with the Cleveland Browns that offseason prior to the uh, 04 draft. So they were looking for a fullback. Yeah, and stars they, are aligning. And lo and behold, stars are aligning again. And my agent ends up getting a call from Dave Atkins. He ends up telling me after the fact, saying, <laughs> hey, I, I have – you, your guy, Mike, I've known about him since his freshman year because I went to Arizona State in 2000 to check out a running back, a senior running back, Delvon Flowers, and I saw this 46 on the screen, you know, killing people. And I, <laughs> I, I had, I had to look, I looked him up and saw that he was only a freshman. He goes, so I've known who your guy is for four years now. And he goes, let me tell you something. I'm going to get this kid. I'm going to get him. And so my age at the time was like, okay, Dave, you know, he gets that a lot from a lot of coaches, but he says, no, sure. I'm going to get this kid. I'm going to get this kid. Um, and so I remember my agent telling me, hey, man, the Bernie Bass coach really – he really likes you. I said, well, then they never called me. I never got a call from Noir. Mm -hmm. I never got a call from Dave. He goes, yeah, yeah you don't necessarily need to get a call from a coach or from a team. Usually the team that doesn't call you doesn't, doesn't talk to you is the team that usually picks you. Right. Which ended up happening. Um, so they ended up trading up two spots and, and taking me in the fifth round. I was the first fullback taken that year. I remember just being – I remember 
up in my my old bedroom and my gr- girlfriend wife and now at the time Kim and I were, were sitting there and she's like you know I know you're upset blah blah it's, it's gonna be okay and I remember just being like you know what I'm gonna go outside I had all my nie- my nieces and nephew were all, were all outside playing basketball and I said you know I'm, gonna go, I'm just gonna take my mind off I'm gonna go outside I'm gonna play basketball with the kids and lo and behold as soon as I let my guard down let yep. some of my mind off of it all yeah. of a sudden I started getting like it was probably 25 30 minutes later I got this screaming out the wind at the house went like Mike, the phone's for you. Get in here, blah blah. Oh you know? gosh! <laughs> so I I sprint in. Everyone's all quiet and huddled around the phone, and they ended up being. It was uh, the head coach at the time. It was Jim Hazlitt. And uh, I said hello. He goes, "Is this Mike?" I said, yeah, "It's Jim Hazlitt, head coach of New Orleans." Hey, we just traded up two spots to get you. There's a commercial break. We're gonna, but they're gonna announce you after this. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Oh my goodness! I remember him saying. I remember him saying, "Hey." Are you ready to come block for Deuce McAllister? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and then he passed the phone around the room to the off, the yeah. off Mike, Mike, Mike McCarthy, who's my offensive coordinator, off the Mike McCarthy, who's now the new Dallas Cowboys head coach, who's in Green Bay all those years. Yeah. You know, I went around the room and talked, you know, t- to the GM and everybody. Yeah, so it was just, it ended up being, I mean, the people were screaming. And family had to tell everyone to be quiet because I, who, whoever was on the phone, I couldn't hear them. And, but it, it was a great day. It was definitely, um, a cherry on top, but I knew I had more work to do because I, just getting there wasn't enough for me. Right. I remember my parents had a cake and all that, and I remember I had said a little something before we cut into the cake, and they said, "Hey, as long as you, have, this is a great celebration. I'm so happy, you know." And I got my foot in the door. I said, "But there's there's more that I want to do. Like I want, I want to be, you know, considered one of the best at what I do when I'm there. I'm not just I'm not just happy with being drafted. Like this, this is I want to make this a career. Yeah, and play as long as I can." you know, God yeah. willing. So anyway, so it, it was more than, it was more than that. It was like, okay, next step, you know, right. You know, yeah, junior and, high, and, okay, high school, high school, <laughs> you know, let's get to college, college. Okay. Next step NFL, you know, so. I wanted to, to switch gears here a little bit, obviously, sure. um, you know, during your time in new Orleans, something pretty big in the, in the country happened. So August 29th, oh, yeah. 2005, uh, hurricane Katrina hit, hit Louisiana as a category three mm-hmm. with winds of 120 miles per hour. I don't have yeah. to keep telling you this because I know you lived it. Um, but the yeah. storm is, is often considered one of the worst in U.S. history with over $108 billion in property damage. Do you remember where you were and when this, when this news broke for you guys? Yeah. I mean, um, I was on the team. <laughs> I was yeah. in my second year. I was really excited. We had a great team put together. Uh, my running backs coach, Dave Atkins, was unfortunately let go after a rookie year, but I was able to get this new coach uh, by the name of Johnny Rowland. And Johnny Rowland was a legendary running backs coach. I still still uh, talk to him to this day. He only coached me for one year, unfortunately, but uh, he coached Walter Payton for nine years. And so I'm like, oh, wow. Walter, Walter Payton was like my guy. The guy. I yeah. loved Walter Payton. Yeah, sweetness. And here I am. I, to me, it was, it was like another dream come true. I was like, I have Walt mom. I got Walter Payton's running back as a, a, his coach. He's coaching yeah. me now. Right. So I remember just being so, uh, I remember being so that just like so pumped up going into that year. Um, and then uh, it was after the third preseason game. Um, we had, we played in New Orleans, Baltimore Ravens. And uh, I think it was on a Thursday or Thursday or Friday. And, um, uh, we play the game and then, you know, you come in the next day, you work out, you watch the game tape and blah, blah, blah. You do a walkthrough. And, um, 
we're in there working out and we're, you know, in the weight room, you have a TV in there and you see right. like this, you know, you, you heard like the previous week that there was a storm coming. Like he was in the Caribbean working his way through and yeah, it's hurricane season. You know, it's, it, it it's could happen. It, yeah, it's hurricane yeah. season. It's the, you know, it's, it's the end of July or excuse me. It's like the middle of August, um, middle to end of August, you know, preseason. And they're like, okay. And so this thing's working its way into the Gulf and, it just kind of just you know you're you're you're, you're kind of keeping track of it, but you're in the middle of training camp. You're not really worried about the weather, right? You're like, right? <laughs> it's New Orleans. It's a hundred. Yeah. It's a hundred and twenty-eight degree heat index with like you know it's you know the humidity is like ninety percent. Like it's like right. okay, whatever, you know. And so you're just trying to survive, right? But we're in the weight room working out, and we're watching the news station, and you just see this thing just getting bigger and bigger and I'm like yeah it's pretty darn close to us like it's like right in the middle of the gulf like it looks like it's coming smack for us and right it couldn't have been more than probably 30 minutes later Jim Hazlitt came in our head coach at the time came in and said hey everyone drop what you're doing go home right now pack up for three or four days we're heading our last preseason game was in Oakland against the Raiders preseason mm-hmm. game before Pack for the pack for Oakland. We're leaving. We're leaving today. We're leaving this. We're leaving tonight. Wow. And so we went home. We're having a team meeting. And we're gonna have a team meeting at two or three p.m. Um, and we're hopping on a plane. We're going to Oakland. We're gonna go to Oakland tonight. And so everyone just dropped what they're doing and hopped in their cars, went home. We packed up, came back to team meeting, and they said, "Hey, this this thing's coming. It's gonna hit. It's gonna hit tonight." We don't know if we're going to be able to – we don't know. We'll, we'll come back after the game at some point. We don't, we don't think it's going to – we think we'll be okay. I, no one no right. one foresaw what ha- what was going to happen, right? No yeah. one knew that the um, all the dams would be breached and all that stuff, right? No one knew that the storm was going to be that bad. Um, anyway, so we we pack up, man, and we're, we're on the buses ahead of the airport. And, uh, you know, you're seeing people board up their homes and, you know, there's no one going east to downtown. Everyone's going west. It's like a movie. It really felt like a movie. Yeah. And uh, we're the last flight out of New Orleans. Um, we fly, you know, three and a half, four hours to the Bay Area. And we land. And we get to the Marriott there in uh, in Fremont, San Jose area. And uh, turn the TVs on. And the whole, season, the whole season underwater. Yeah. And that was our first kind of glimpse of, like, this is, okay, this is not just some – the regular storm that we're going to go back to after this game. Like we we got problems. And I remember just being like, man, we, you know, thank, I I thank God I was young in my career. I didn't, I didn't have wife and kids. I didn't have any, but I felt my, our team at the time had a lot of, I had a lot of older teammates who already had, they had their wives and kids in town. And uh, a lot of them were at that time were in school. And, and so you're just, you're, you know, you're just, you know, you're feeling for your teammates and, I mean, we go out to play that game against Oakland, and like you just, the game couldn't get over fast enough. You're just trying to yeah, get the game over because you're, you're 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 you know we're watching this thing all the way up to the end to the kickoff, like you know getting reports of you know you know you know people under you know homes underwater, like, you know several people missing, and right? So it, it, yeah, it was a it was a very dark time, and then the game's over with. They they tell us that we're going to go to San Antonio fly to San Antonio and they'll let us know further what we're doing. We're not going back. And then we get to San Antonio the next day we have a team meeting and they're like, okay, so we're not, we're not, we're not going back to this year. We're not going back to New Orleans. It's like, we're going to stay here and we're going to figure out what we're going to do. Like, you know, the league office is going to let us know what we're going to do, how we're going to play games, where we're going to play games. We're not going back to the Superdome. They're using it as a, uh, 
place of, of shelter for people. And so then at that time you got guys like panicking, like they got to get in the city, they go get their wives, get their kids yeah, out, right. you know, the city shut down. And so people took off. They, I remember they gave us like three or four days off, you know, uh, we had, a, you know, obviously you had like a break, like a bye week before you, everyone started the week one season. Right. So we, everyone, everyone took off and went, went home back to the, just to get in. A lot of people tried to go home and get their clothes and stuff out. Some people could, some people couldn't. Um, some people have family members missing. So it was, it was a, it was a very just stressful, distraught time. And then to find out, Hey, we're staying here, go find a place to live. <laughs> I'm like, find a oh place to live. God. Like what? not even yeah. knowing San Antonio and then, you know, right. so it was like a bunch, we, we'd all, everyone would just go to certain places around town and find corporate living and go there. We'd, we'd sell that place out. Then we'd find another place and everyone just drive to the next place, you know? So then we lived in San Antonio. We, we practiced out of the Alamo dome. We played three home games. in The Alamo dome we played four in Baton Rouge. We played one in New York um, against the giants was a home game. Home game. Right. Home right. Game the giants. Um, but that year is, uh, I think got a, all the years I played football, I can tell you more about that year than any other year. That year was I, – I, I had that – that year is so fresh in my mind, even today. It's 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember every detail. I remember everything we did. I remember just the – as an organization, the things that we had to go through, the things that we had to do, and then to, and then to get ready every Sunday to play your best. It was – it was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. We were practicing yeah, you, at a high school field, but we would we would be we would be at a junior high for our locker room. You oh know, my goodness. Uh, the Alamo Dome would be our home base, but then the, every if a home show came into town or if the NCAA tournament came in, like they would take, you know, they would kick us out. We have to move out, move back in. And then, I mean, I we I mean there was we I saw people age that year, you know, from the stress you know, <laughs> from that year. Yeah. But, but uh, that, that was how it went, you know. And you, yeah, and you guys, just, you guys finished three and thirteen, and even for, like I remember you said, like even then you were surprised you got I'm three surprised. wins out of the season. So, so so to get three wins that year, I was like, man, we should probably could have been zero and sixteen. You know, I mean, like right. I mean, with everything that happened. But so. and then so you know, ultimately that off season, you guys kind of go into a, a rebuilding phase. Yeah. Um, you guys brought on Sean Payton who, and mm-hmm. Drew Brees, who, you know, the rest is history with those two. And you draft yeah. this kid out of Southern Cal named Reggie Bush. So did yeah. that offseason feel a little different than uh, the others? Yeah, it did. It did. There was a, there was a buzz in the air. Um, there was a big buzz in the air. Uh, we were back. Uh, um, we were helping the city rebuild. Um, you know, Sean Payton was hired. Uh, unfortunately, Jim Hazlitt was let go. Uh, pretty much the whole staff was let go. Um, it, it, it you know, changes need to be made. Unfortunately, after that year, you just, you know, I think there were some people that didn't want to come back after, right, after right. what they experienced. We, we were building something special and then we kept the, we kept the, the, the good core guys from the previous year um, that were all for the, there for the right reasons. And they, they, we, you know, they meshed them with the new guys they brought in and it, it was just a, a magical thing. You know, we, everyone had, everyone had the right intentions. Everyone wanted to bring the city back. We wanted to rebuild the city. We've, you know, we, I felt it was, a, it was personal for me. You right. know, a lot of us took it personal, you know, we wanted to help the city rebound and the best way to do that was through football and the New Orleans Saints mean everything to that city. Um, it's unlike any place in the world. The fan base is, is so passionate. 
they love their Saints, and we knew by us winning, having a great season, or having a win, you know, winning season would 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 make their their whole life, right? Make their whole year. So, just a good group of guys that came together that that really understood what the mission was, and we really wanted to change the culture and 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 bring a winning mentality to New Orleans, and we were able to do that. Yeah, on yeah, and and there was no. A uh, bigger game maybe that season than um, September 25th, 2006. Yeah. Since your return right. to New Orleans for the first time since Katrina, 638 days since you actually played a home game. And you're coming in 2-0 and hosting, you know, Mike Vick and the division rival Falcons. Uh, what, were, like, what were your thoughts driving up to the stadium that day? Uh, there's obviously encounters, you know, Drew Brees has a story, like got his car, like, like, lo- like, kind of like yeah, stuck in the stadium uh, or something like that. Yeah, what were yeah, your he thoughts? Got stuck in traffic or something, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I I just knew that I just knew that the Falcons had no chance. No, I legitimately walked I mean I really that whole week I just this team has no chance. I didn't, it didn't matter if it was the eighty five Bears walking in that night. They were no <laughs> they were, no no one was beating us. You just had this there was like this feeling in the air that yeah. you know this was our it was our time it was our night it was mm-hmm. it was a it was just a perfect concoction for what happened that night and how everything yeah. went down yeah i mean uh, there's there's actually a pretty famous picture of you and ernie conwell um on the bench yeah. before the yeah, game I, mean, sob- I, know, I'm, I'm, like a, I was gonna say i've known you for yeah, a couple years now sobbing like a little girl yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not much of a cry that was me man yeah. Oh no. I'm. A, I'm. A, my, my mom taught me at a young age it's okay to cry. I, you know. I. I mean. You know. I have no. I have no shame in it. But man, I, yeah. I tell you what. Uh, you get caught in the moment, man. You. 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 Uh, you think about everything. You. You know. And people ask me, "Hey, wh- why were you crying?" I got. I got that a lot. This. Yeah. They re-aired that game this year during the pandemic, right. and uh, I was live tweeting with a bunch of fans, and they were like, "Hey, what? 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 what why were you crying?" And yeah. I was like, "Why was I crying?" And I was like. <laughs> I wasn't hurt. Yeah. I wasn't hurt. I right. said I cry. I was cry. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't crying because we won. I said that was a, that was like a byproduct. I said I was crying because I was thinking about everything that we went through the year before. Everything we went to, we went through as players, as a team. Uh, more importantly, what the city went through, the devastation, um, and then to be able to come back and be in that stadium, you know, be in a stadium where people were actually dying and being. You know, bad things were happening in that stadium yeah, the year before. Right. You know, um, so it, it just the moment took it took me over. It was like I just you know, then for us to win the game, I mean, uh, uh, to be you know to be next to a guy that I looked up to as a kid. You know, a guy went to high, the guy went to my same high school, who graduated ten years before I did, and he were on the same field together, and we're we're sharing this huge moment and the franchise's history and the city's history. Yeah. It was just, it was like emotion on top of emotion on top of emotion, dude. It, it was like, I couldn't contain myself, man. It was like, you couldn't, I mean, I, I tried stopping. I, I, at some point was like laughing because I was, I was like, I can't, I can't stop crying. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just, uh, I get made fun of all the time from teammates and friends, but it's, and I laugh at it because it is, it's, I mean, I, I was hysterical. I was literally yeah. hysterical, uh, but no regrets, man. It was it was <laughs> one of the greatest moments in, in my life, man, to be able to be a part of that. I mean, it really was because that yeah, team, and- that 06 team, that 06 group 
really helped them win eventually win the Super Bowl. I mean, that's we really kind of set the new foundation for what the expectation was for that organization. Um, what you know, what we did that year, the change of like we were no longer going to be the Aints. We were no longer going to be some team down in Louisiana that people just said, "Oh yeah, there, there's a team down there, an NFL team down there." But not, not, you know, we were not. We were going to be a team that we were going to be an organization that people knew who we were and, and respect us. And um, that was probably one of the greatest teams I've ever been on. You know, from yeah. just the standpoint of the type of men um, and the mentality that we had as a, as a team. I mean, it was a bunch of brothers, a bunch of guys that just all we all you know, uh, believed and we all, uh, wanted the same thing. And, and, it, and we were from all different walks of life, you know, and all different cold backgrounds and different cultures. I, I, you know, even, you know, even today, like, you know, everything we're going through with our world, um, I, I, I tell my wife all the time, I wish people could experience, uh, an NFL locker room, you know, because everyone's accepted, everyone's loved, everyone's, um, doesn't matter your political, you know, point right. or what, what aisle, side of the aisle you're on. Everyone loves each other. Uh, everyone argues. Everyone fights. Everyone talks trash. And, but then we squash it, and we're brothers. You know, we love each other, and we move on to the next day, the next game, the next, the next snap, the next rep. Um, mm-hmm. How many times I got? How many times I got into a fight with a linebacker in practice? But then he and I cracking a beer after practice that day in training camp, you know, laughing our butts off about it. You know, the stories go on and on. Um, but yeah. you know, that's, those are some of the things you miss as a player, you know, when you're done, you know, it's, uh, it's not necessarily the playoff games, the, the championships you won or didn't win or had the opportunity to win. It, it's you, you miss, you miss the brotherhood. You miss the camaraderie. You miss being around like-minded people, um, that see life, see what your, your mission, see what you're dedicated to, see what you're passionate about the same way you do. Uh, it, it's, you can't emulate it. There's no, I don't think there's anything else I could be a part of that's like that. It, it's so it's it's a it's a gift and a curse, if you will. Um, and I tell people that all the time. It's a gift and a curse. You know, it was a, it was a gift. Um, it was a privilege. It was a gift to be able to play in the National Football League as long as I did. But it's a curse because you, what you experience with those types of people, it's you you just can't find it in me again. It's really really hard. And I hope it doesn't come across as arrogant or um, or. Uh, a cocky but that i mean it's it's really hard to find people like that in your life again it really is Sorry. yeah no it's, anyway. it's certainly no you bring <laughs> up a really good point because i think right now like especially with everything going on in the nfl and and i don't even want to get into all that just political sites sure. we could do a whole whole other episode about that <laughs> but but yeah. you know you see kind of like off, off track there but no, no, you, no, you brought up a really good point because yeah. like i think like in the media how the locker room is getting perceived is like you have teams that are divided Right. Cause you know, mm-hmm. like I'll just say, for example, like you got Deshaun Jackson and the Eagles going through what he's yeah. going through right now. I mean, obviously a mistake on his part. And then sure. you have Jewish players on that team. And similarly you had the things going on with Kaepernick, but like to hear it from your perspective and like, obviously you lived in the NFL locker room just to know, like really like all that stuff that the media is portraying is what the media wants to portray because what's going on in the locker room is what's going on behind closed doors. And that's just, you're not going to see that word for word or image by image from the media. No, you're not, you're not. And that's, that's why I just wish people could, the everyday person could uh, at some point in life could experience, you know, 
you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an NFL locker room. It could be a football locker room. It could be in high school, you know, mm-hmm. but just everything that you do. Because even in high school, I mean, my, the high, my senior, my 99 senior year high school team, I still stay in touch with those guys. Those guys had a lot of the same, same type of guys. Yeah. You know, they all, we all came together that year. We ended up losing the state championship, but we were, we, we brought our team back. Our school hadn't been in the high school state championship for 10 years and we were the first team to do it. Uh, we ended up losing the state championship, but that group of guys, the same type of group of guys, you know, that I still stay in touch with because there was, and they're all walks of life, man. We had all, we had that group of type of people. It was like, that's the same mentality that we had in 06 with the, the Saints, that locker room. It's, it's just, so it, it's a high school locker room, an NFL locker room, but it's it, a football locker room in general. I wish people could experience just the, the different, you know, the characters. Yeah. They're all, sure. you know, the characters, you know, and cultures and backgrounds and, I mean the stories that you the the stories that 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 we you know the stories that are told and the jokes and the the, the trash. Talk, I mean you just I mean so yeah. anyway. So after the 2007 season, you and the Saints part ways, and you end up signing with uh, St. Louis, and that's yeah, actually where you got well, your, after, your, yeah after 08 after the oh, after 08, 08 okay season yeah so I got two yeah so I got three years with Drew and Sean uh, and Reggie and then. Uh, we parted ways and I went to St. Louis, uh, mm. which was a, I don't mean to cut you off, but it was, yeah. Anyway, a great opportunity to block for Steven Jackson. I was going to say, that's where you got your so, two pro bowls and you were blocking for your lead blocking for uh, Steven Jackson, who is now the all-time leading rusher for the Rams. What, what was the difference between those two teams? Obviously, you know, being drafted oh, by the saints yeah. and spending such like the majority of your career there and then go into this team here in St. Louis. What was like, what was the biggest he, difference? Yeah, it's a huge, just a different locker room. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. different, different organizations. I mean, you know, I don't, at that time, the Rams are not the Rams of the, of the Rams are of today. They weren't the right. Rams of the, of the greatest show on turf. Unfortunately, we, we weren't very good when I was there. Um, but it was an opportunity for me to block for one of the best running backs in the league at that time. And I just couldn't pass it up. And, you know, Steven and I have created a bond just like I have with, with Deuce and with Reggie and all those guys that I know. Um, but it was a, it was a, a, a interesting two years, uh, yeah. but it, it was another opportunity to continue to play in the national football league and block for a great running back. And so I was fortunate to be able to do that. I was wanted there and, um, the organizations were going, you know, or were, 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 you know, one was on its way up, uh, you know, one was ascending, one was descending. <laughs> you yeah, know? right. Um, and so that was the that was the risk I took going into that situation. Um, but I was able to get a couple more good years in, and and uh, and then have a, a bond and a relationship with Stephen that is now forever, you know, a life lifetime. Yeah. So you know, um, so eight, seven seasons in the NFL, obviously a lot, yeah. a lot of uh, football to be played. What's your biggest takeaway from the from your time in the NFL? My biggest takeaway from the NFL, well, <laughs> it was told you know the NFL stands for not for long. Yeah, uh, so you, <laughs> that's definitely uh, uh, you definitely see that uh, up close and personal every year. In uh, in in God, things change so fast in the National Football League. Um, my biggest takeaway was just, um, you know, that I made it, that I got there, you know, um, that I was able to play with and against guys I grew up watching, uh, that I was able to achieve the ultimate, you know, at the highest level. 
and yeah. be can be considered one of the best, you know, of, of my, you know, of my era at that time. Um, and to get the respect of, um, my opponents and my teammates, um, I guess, you know, the impact I left was much larger than I ever thought it was. I didn't, you know, yeah. I didn't know that I was actually going to have that big of an impact on the game and on my teammates. And, um, you know, biggest takeaway, I guess there's a lot of them, but I mean, it's just the, the fact that I was able to do it, man. I was able to get to the highest level and, 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 and live out the dream I had ever that I set out to do, you know, that's just, you know, I remember at seven years old saying I want to play in the NFL and I was able to do that. So. Yeah. I got one more hard question for you and then we'll do a little rapid fire to wrap up with some, some NFL topics. And I want to get your perspective, but you got two boys, Dax and Braden. Um, sure. they're studs, yeah. they're studs of athletes. First of all, like, I mean, I've watched your Instagram <laughs> stories and like, like they could probably kick the crap out of me. Um, but presumably, you know, they're following in your first <laughs> But uh, what what is the yeah. lesson you want to teach your boys about football? You know, I don't know if it's about football or just life in general. You know, I I always um, you know it, you know it's um, you know you, you know, I guess I guess it's one of those things that you know they're they're not going to have the the ability to to just make make their own. They're going to have the ability to make their own name. Um, yeah. But I I, I I don't want them to feel as if they need to follow my footsteps. I want them to create their own footsteps. So I'm constantly talking to them about, you know, them, they'll, they'll never be pressured into play football. They'll never be pressured into doing anything they don't want to do. Um, but whatever they do do, they're going to be, there's, there, there are expectations of, uh, of what, you know, of, of hard work and dedication and, um, and doing it the right way, whatever that may be. Um, and so I, I'm always on about that. You know, I'm always on about how hard I ha- had to work to get to get what I wanted. Um, that that nothing was given to me. You know, I had to earn it. Um, it's never going to be easy, <laughs> um, yeah. and it's never going to go go exactly the way you plan. But it, but as long as you have a plan, the plan will eventually work out. <laughs> um, it just works out in in, in, in ways that you know you, you never never imagined, um, mm. and and that's a good thing. Because at the end, of the, at the end, at, at the end of the day, your whole goal is to get to where you want to go. Um, so you know, I, I, when they if they do choose to play football, um, they do choose to play tackle football someday. And, you know, we'll cross that road. But you know, I, I'm excited as a dad to be able to have the ability to teach them the things that I was able to learn and um, at a high at the highest level that a lot of uh, people aren't, um, a lot of parents aren't able to teach them so they're they're going to have a lot of extra tools in the bag to use and to be successful with that with whatever they you know whenever they if they do play football but uh yeah i don't i don't want them to ever think that they uh just because of who their dad was have to play right. football you know i want right. them if they want to be a baseball player or they want to be a tennis player i mean what what i mean i'm going to support it 100 you know golf whatever it is whatever sport it is I mean, maybe it's not sports maybe it's business maybe it's they want to be a doctor or something. Maybe, they, I mean, maybe they want to be a dentist. I mean, just yeah. find something that you love, that you're passionate about and, uh, and don't apologize for wanting to That's be awesome. that, you That's know what awesome. I mean? And, and yeah. uh, give it, give, give it everything you have and understand that there's going to be a lot of sacrifice involved and there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to, 
have to do that you don't want to do that are necessary to do that have, you know, that go hand in hand for you to get there. So um, school for me was not my strong point. It wasn't something that I enjoyed, um, but it, it went hand in hand with football. I had to have it. I couldn't have one or the other. And I had to have school to get to, to, to play football. Um, so I, I, even though I hated it every day, I still worked hard at it to make sure I could have the grades um, so I could play <laughs> and right, be there. So there's, there's going to be things like that you're going to have to do in life that you don't want to do, but it's for the best of your interests and for the best of what you want to do for the end result. So uh, that's, you know, that's what I'm constantly on, on them about. I'm a dad that did it. I don't, I'm not a dad that has to live through my kids. Yeah. I don't, I'll <laughs> never be that dad, but I, I, I yeah. will be the dad though that when they do, when they do do it, they do do it. They'll, 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 will, there, there is going to be, Hey, this is the way it's supposed to be played. This way it's supposed to be done, you know? And right. so I'm going to teach it, teach you the right way. And I'm going to teach you some things that a lot of kids aren't going to be able to have you can do. Um, but you got to continue to work hard and listen to your coaches and do things right. And listen to your teachers, um, do things in the community, give back, um, you know, be humble um, and be thankful. And you know, those are things that we're always preaching every day in our house. I love that. I love that. Now, um, rapid fire. You don't have to explain your answer. I'm just going to ask you quick questions and, and you give me your thoughts. Okay. Sure. And the Washington Redskins, former Redskins changed their name to what? Great question. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be an know. interesting I don't one. Know. I mean, it, it's a great, I mean, it's a great, question and I've, I've gotten a lot of people ask me and I you got me man I, I really <laughs> All right. it's gonna be hard I mean, it's gonna be hard yeah true or false the Buccaneers have more wins than the Patriots this year true rookie of the year is gonna go to oh my gosh who's uh Joe Burrow yeah favorite running back to right he's now he's pretty good yeah favorite who Favorite favorite running back to follow right now? Uh, Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers. Okay, you know Christian McCaffrey is is in the Madden ninety nine. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. But yeah. I, I coached I coached Aaron Jones in, in uh, pre combine, so I'm a, I'm okay. a fan. All right, I'm a little biased. And, uh, but I'm yeah. A fan. <laughs> what was the best to play Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night football? Ooh, great question. Uh, Sunday night and hold on. There Sunday night yeah. and Monday night. Okay. Uh, Monday night back in the day. Sunday night. I mean, it's it's hard. It's a good, great question. Sunday and Sunday night and Monday night are really. It's like one A, one B. Yeah, I feel like the, sure. I feel like the players aren't the biggest fans of those Thursday night games. No, no. Um, best away stadium. So you can't pick the Rams. You can't pick the Superdome. Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they got a big pirate ship in the end zone and they wow. They fire off the cannons when they score, which is not a good thing when you're playing there because it means they're scoring and you're not. But it's it's pretty cool to see that huge pirate ship in the end zone. That's yeah. a pretty cool stadium. Yeah. Okay. Best fans that weren't the Saints or the Rams. Mm, oh boy. Um, I'd say probably Packers fans. Did you ever try to do the Lambo leap? <laughs> no, because the inch vertical. There, there, there was no such thing as me getting a ball in the end zone. I was, I was the one always having to block for someone. So no, no, I don't even know if I would have tried that. I probably would have got a beer thrown on me. <laughs> All right, uh, favorite player. Yeah, favorite player you pancaked. 
favorite player I pancaked. I don't know if I had a favorite player that pancaked. What was like I would the, say, the, the I would best say one. Derek. Derek. Uh, I would just say you know what? Out of the, out of the respect for him and that he's a Hall of Famer, both of them, I'd say uh, Derek Brooks and Brian Urlacher. Those are two okay. guys I pancaked in my career. That's awesome. And um, so the Madden ratings just came out for the new Madden football game. Uh, do you remember your highest rating? I don't. That's a good question. I, don't, I, I can I don't tell know. you. I can you tell know? you it if you'd like. <laughs> yes, I would love to know. You were an eighty-five. Whoa! Yeah, that's actually one ahead of uh, Deshaun Watson right now. So I nice. <laughs> I didn't know that. Was that is that on the Madden? What what oh, what, what year? I, I don't know what year. I I had to Google uh, Mike Carney's okay. highest Madden rating. <laughs> okay, nice. Eighty-five. I'll take that. All right, and that. uh and last rapid fire, the winner of Super Bowl Fifty Five is going to be who? I think Kansas City can repeat. They just have a great, wow. great. They got a great group. Uh, when you have a pandemic and stuff where you don't have really an off season, you got to go with the team that has the biggest nucleus of guys coming back and Patrick Mahomes and getting that big, big, big contract. Beautiful yeah. contract. Guy got paid. Uh, yeah, Kelsey. I mean. I would, they got to be on a fast track for, for repeat. I mean, I'd say that, you know, you got to give it to them because they're the team that, and you got to put San Francisco back in there too. But I, I would say Kansas City for repeat. Awesome. Well, Mike, this has been a lot of fun. I have one last question for you that I ask yeah. all my guests. Sure. Um, you know, you, you've, you've lived the, quite the NFL career. You have quite the story to tell. What would be the title of your autobiography and why? Oh my gosh. I'm really putting you on the spot today. You are. No, but that's a great, <laughs> that's a really good question because I've thought about that. What would be my, you know, what would, what, what, what be the, what would be the title of my, if I ever had a book for autobiography? Um, I don't know. It'd be, it'd have to be something about, it'd have to be something about the journey, you know, something journey, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm all about the journey in life. You know, I think I remember, I think I heard, um, um, who was it? Is it David Goggins? Have you ever heard, you ever seen David Goggins, the Navy SEAL guy? Yes. Yes. He, yes. he, he, he was on a podcast a while back and he was, uh, he wasn't, he said he's, he's not about, it's not about winning. It's about going the distance. So I would say my, I'd say the about my, the title of my book would probably be going the distance. Because that. to me in life, going the distance is you're winning out all the time. You're, you're always winning if you're going, if you're going the distance. And I, awesome. I really feel in my life that I went the distance and it's so important to go the distance. And when you go the distance, then you are overcoming everything good and bad, right? If you're taking everything on. So I, I, I'd have to say going the distance. Awesome. I Mike love Carney's that. autobiography going the distance. Yeah. I love that. So. Well, Mike, this has been an absolute blast. It was, it was good to finally like get out the foot, the football nerd stuff for me. I, I haven't been able to talk sports <laughs> with welcome, a lot of people man. for a long time. This is an absolute blast. Yeah. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely catch up soon. And, and when the NFL season starts, um, I'm going to, we'll, we'll see who's, who's going to go to Super Bowl 55. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. I look forward to getting back on and talking to you about that. Awesome. I'll talk soon, Mike. Okay, sounds good, bud. So huge thanks to Mike Carney for coming on and sharing his story about really getting into the league and that whole process, but everything that it took to get there, right? As the title of this episode is Overlooked to All Pro, 
you know, and as it's so famously said in the NFL, it stands for not for long. So the fact that he got to the league is obviously a huge accomplishment, but everything that he did while in the league is something that is very, very impressive. So huge thanks to Mike for coming on and sharing his story. That does it for this week's episode. Huge thank you to all of you guys for listening and following along on this journey. I really appreciate all your guys' support. Feel free to let me know how the podcast is going, what your thoughts are, who I should bring on for new guests. My inbox is always open. Normalguylazyi at gmail.com. Feel free to follow follow us on Instagram at normalguylazyi. But that does it for this week. I am super, super excited about next week's episode. I think one of my favorite interviews that we've done so far is coming up next week. So a little bit of a sneak peek for you guys. Really excited. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you all next Wednesday.